Well, it is indeed uh, good to be together, and again, we want to extend a special welcome to any visitors that are with us uh, this morning. We, we love new people, we love seeing new faces, and so we pray that you feel loved and welcomed uh, here. Even if uh, you've been coming for a long, long time, we pray that you feel loved uh, as welcome uh, as well. So I don't know about you, but uh, can you feel the Spirit moving these days? Can you feel this? Can I get an amen? For, can you feel the spirit? Okay, you gotta wake up a little bit. Okay, uh, can you can you can you feel the spirit moving? Amen. Okay, good. It's okay. You can get a little bit of Baptist, even though we're just go Pentecostal on me today. I don't care, even though if we're Lutheran. Okay, can you feel the spirit moving a little bit today? Okay, okay, you can feel the spirit moving, and uh, uh, there's something there's something tangible. There's something much bigger than us going on here today. I don't know if you sense that when we worship. Each week, I, I hope that you sense that, that worship is not about singing songs. If worship is about singing songs, then this is not really worth giving your life to, right? But if we are encountering every single week the God of the universe and giving him the praise and the glory that's due, that's something worth giving your life to. That's something worth being here every single week and saying, God, I don't want to miss a single week because I don't want to miss what you're going to do. When we get together and worship, I, I, I don't want to miss out uh, on that. So we pray that every single week, when you come here, no matter what songs we sing, no matter what's going on around you, that this is about you being in a community and you connecting with God. It doesn't matter if people are raising their hands or dancing or, or if they can sing on key, and maybe that's you or not. Um, that doesn't matter. What matters is that you're connecting with God. And we pray that this can be a, a time of the week where you do that, where you take time out of your hectic, busy schedule, and when you're here, you can just... <sighs> When's the last time you went? <sighs> we spend so much time rushing around, and we get to church, and we rush through church, and we get done with worship, and we're like, what just happened? Well, you never were fully present where you were at. And I wonder this morning, can you just be here? Can we just be here and just say, God, for the next while here, whatever it is, however long the long-winded preacher goes, we're just going to be fully present to whatever you want to do. Can we just say that to God this morning? We're just going to be fully present uh, to whatever he wants. Jesus gives us this incredible promise that where two or more are gathered in his name, that he is with them there also. The Spirit of the living God is here today. That's not something to take lightly. <laughs> That's not just one more Sunday, because when the Spirit moves, lives are changed. When the Spirit moves, lives are changed, and nobody knows that better than our friend Nicodemus, who we encounter in our scripture today. So if you haven't already, turn to John chapter 3, and we're going to look at this story uh, together. John chapter 3, we're beginning a brand new sermon series today uh, on the gospel of John during these next six, week, six weeks. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John are the four gospels, and so John uh, is the fourth out of the four, and we're going to be focusing uh, in on this gospel during these next six, week, six weeks of Lent, which we just kicked off this past week. Many of you probably celebrated uh, Ash Wednesday uh, together. And uh, if you're new to the church or if you just need uh, a refresher, Lent is this, this season of the church here, these 40 days that are uh, leading up to Easter and as we celebrate as Christians the resurrection uh, of our Lord. And it's this time of year that we set aside, just like we just talked about Sunday morning, this is a season of the year for a couple months here where we say, God, we want to empty ourselves of everything that's us so we can be filled with everything that's of you. 
That's what Lent is all about, to center ourselves on Jesus Christ and what he's done in our lives, which is why we've chosen the Gospel of John to focus on here in the weekends, because as opposed to the other three Gospels, Matthew and Mark and Luke are a little bit more concerned with telling you the story, more of a a chronological story and and being a little bit more uh, historical in their account and telling you lots and lots of stories. John, the Gospel of John, on the other hand, has a whole lot of miracles and a whole lot of stories that aren't found in any other Gospel. So we're really glad for that. If we didn't have John, we wouldn't have the story that we have today. We wouldn't have a certain passage named John 3.16. That's kind of an important one as well, which comes right after our passage today. So if you're looking to start reading the Bible, if you're new to church, if you're new to the faith and you're wondering, how do I get started? This Bible seems so big and strange and weird. The Gospel of John would be a great place to start. And it'd be a great place to start our journey of Lent as well, which is all about Lent is all about springtime. It's about new beginnings. It's about being born again, which is exactly what Nicodemus encounters today. Because when the Spirit moves, lives are changed. When the Spirit moves, lives are changed. So let's go to John chapter 3, verse 1, and we'll pick up the story there. If you don't have a Bible, take that one home with you. We'd love to, to have you take that as our, as our gift uh, to you. John chapter 3, verse 1. If you found it, say, let's go. That was like five people. If you found it, say, let's go. go. All right, we're going to get there. We're going to get there. We're chugging along. All right. So when we begin chapter three, this is uh, fairly early on in Jesus' ministry. He did three years of public ministry, and we read that he's been doing lots of miracles, right? And if some crazy lunatic guy with a beard and long hair just kind of came walking out of the Des Moines River one day and he just started like performing all these miracles, it'd probably be in the Des Moines Register, right? Like people would be taking notice of it. People would want to know. If you heard that somewhere on the south side of Des Moines, somebody got raised from the dead, wouldn't you probably go see the dude, right? If you heard over in West Des Moines, somebody was blind and now they can see because this guy put mud on their eyes, you'd probably want to go see him, right? So this buzz is spreading around the region, and and, and Jesus is becoming more and more popular. People are taking notice, especially the religious people. And that is where we find Nicodemus. He takes notice. Verse 1, chapter 3. Now there was a Pharisee, a man named Nicodemus, who was a member of the Jewish ruling council. He came to Jesus at night. So let's stop there for a second before we hear Uh, what he says. Who is this guy? We'll call him Nick, right? Because that's probably what his buddies called him, right? So here's Nick. Uh, And we find that Nicodemus is not only uh, a Pharisee, which is kind of the the religious leaders uh, of the day, the the, the council of pastors, if you will, the Pharisees, they're in charge of keeping the law. But it also says that he is on the ruling council, which is called the Sanhedrin. So it's almost like the, the, the state uh, the church and state were pretty intertwined back then, not like they are today. And the Sanhedrin is basically, it's like the Supreme Court, right? So this is a really important guy. This would be like one of the U.S. Supreme Court justices showing up and saying, hey, I, I need to go check this Jesus guy out. What's, what's he all about? And so Nicodemus is coming to investigate Jesus to learn more. But secondly, did you notice, why do you think he came at night, Right? How often in the Gospels do you read, and -and so-and-so came to Jesus in the dark, right? Why do you think he came at night? Why would John think that that, putting that detail in this story was important? 
Well, it was no secret that the people who had the most issues that were the most threatened by Jesus were the religious people. (laughs) And that hasn't changed today, has it? Either. They were the most threatened. Jesus is their enemy as far as they know because uh, if, if you're a, if you're a, a Roman uh, religious person that you, Jesus is, is threatening Caesar. Jesus says he's claiming to be Lord and Savior. No, 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 Caesar is Lord and Savior. And if you're a good Jew and Jesus is claiming to be the fulfillment of all these prophecies, to be the fulfillment of the law, this is just blowing your mind. This is taking your view of God and just turning it upside down, right? So these people are threatened by Jesus. And if you're one of the top leaders, if you're one of the top religious leaders, do you want to be seen hanging out with the enemy? Probably not. So here goes Nick in the cover of night with, with a black sheet over his head and he's running through, you know, and going to see Jesus. It could be disastrous for his image if he's found out. But notice he still comes. And I, I, don't, I don't want us to miss that this morning. When everyone else is just talking about Jesus, Nicodemus says, ah, I'm, I'm kind of tired of the gossip and hearsay. I want to go find out for myself. And I, w- I wonder, what would that look like for us this morning? What if we stopped just talking about our faith? And what if we actually went and encountered Jesus for ourselves on a daily basis? I think we can learn that from Nicodemus. He goes. Let's not miss that fact. He takes the initiative to go and meet Jesus for himself. So the story continues. He says, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher who has come from God. He's speaking to Jesus. For no one could perform the signs you are doing if God were not with him. Nicodemus tells Jesus, nobody could do what you're doing unless there's something supernatural going on here. So Nicodemus is giving him some credit. Verse 3, Jesus replied, Very truly, I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God unless they are born again. Now, at first glance, it, <laughs> do you ever read these passages where Jesus is having a conversation with someone? Just And, okay, this might be blasphemy, but it just kind of feels like Jesus is a jerk sometimes, right? Like, he's just going along, and Nicodemus is coming with this nice, honest, open question, like, Jesus, help me understand who you are. And it seems like Jesus just starts preaching at him, right? Like, I wouldn't want to hang out with that guy. Like, is that really what Jesus is doing here? Not so much. He's not taking the whole conversation off course. That's not what happens here. The first phrase that's important in Jesus' reply, he says this all throughout the Gospel of John. Uh, It says, very truly, I tell you. So that phrase right there, say, very truly, I tell you. you. Say it really fast all together. Very truly, I tell you. The reason I have you say it all together is because the English translation, that, that translation is one Greek word. Okay? Sometimes the English language and the Greek language, which the New Testament was originally written in, they don't match up. Okay? So very truly, I tell you, is one Greek word, and it's amen. Okay? It's amen. And we know what amen means. It means yes, right? Yes, right? So that's why we say amen at the end of our prayer. So let's just say that you came to me. I'll kind of give you a little modern example here. Let's say that uh, you came to me and said, John, you know, I just have this feeling. I think, I think the Iowa Hawkeye basketball team is going to surprise everybody and somehow make it to the NCAA tournament and then win the whole thing. That's, 
you got to go along with the illustration here. You're not helping me out here. Okay, okay. Let's say you came to me and said, John, the Iowa State basketball team is going to win the NCAA. See, yeah, then we get some amens, right? But that's what you would say, right? If I came to you and said, Iowa State's going to win the NCAA basketball team this year, what would you say? Amen. Yes, amen. All right, amen. Amen. I agree with you. I agree with you. Very truly, I tell you, amen. Yes. Yes. So when Jesus says, very truly, I tell you, he's saying, yes, Nicodemus. Yes, you're on to something. Amen. Amen. And then he says, and let me tell you something else that might seem impossible. No one can enter the kingdom of God unless he is also born from above. Totally changes the way that you look at that passage, doesn't it? Jesus isn't preaching at him. Jesus is saying, yes, Nicodemus. You're starting to get it. You're, you're on the right track. And I want you to just think for a moment about the, the power of what just took place here. Nicodemus has the courage to go see Jesus all alone at night. And Jesus, the God of the universe, responds to his honest question with, Amen, brother. That's the John message remix version, right? And Jesus says to Nicodemus, Amen, brother. Literally, Amen, brother. Yes, Nicodemus. And there's more. Yes, Nicodemus, and there's more. I, I just think about that this week. Do you, would you ever believe that Jesus would respond to you like that? Like when you, when you pray, what do you, what do you envision Jesus' posture to you being? Like, because prayer is just having a conversation with God, right? It's not some hocus-pocus magic thing, right? What, what is Jesus' posture towards you? What's, what is God doing when you pray to him? <sighs> Are you serious again? You're always complaining about your marriage. You need help with your finances again. When are you going to figure that out, right? No, that's not what he's doing. What if you believe that God responded to you the way that he just responded to Nicodemus? Yes, brother. Yes, sister. I know exactly what you're going through. I hear you. I hear your heart. Oh, you're, you're, you're struggling with that? Let me help you. You're having a hard time finding faith? You're having a hard time trusting me? Yes, yes, it's okay. Keep coming. Keep coming. You're on the right track. Remember how, it's almost like Jesus says to us, remember that thing when I, that, that promise I gave you when I said I'm always going to be with you to the very end of the age? Why don't you take me up on that? Why don't you take me up on that? So back to the story. So what on earth does Jesus mean by the statement, it's impossible to see the kingdom unless you're born again? It's impossible to see the kingdom unless you're born again. This sounds like a really weird, wacky spiritual phrase, but let's take it apart one step at a time. So the kingdom, right? Verse 5. To, to, in, in, uh, right there it says to see the kingdom. Verse 5 it says to enter the kingdom. So I think we kind of put those two things together and Jesus is kind of talking about being aware or, or perceiving or engaging the kingdom of God. For Jesus, it's a present reality, right? Because we know when Jesus came, he brought the kingdom, which we know is much more than a castle and a king, right? 
So when you're reading the Gospels and Jesus says, my kingdom, is he talking about a castle that he's building in Jerusalem? Is he talking about him becoming the king? Is he talking about bringing a great army in and taking it over from the Romans? No. That's what Nicodemus thinks. But Jesus is talking up here and Nicodemus is down here, right? And so Jesus is saying, Nicodemus, put your kingdom goggles on, right? I want to help you see the world in a brand new, in a brand new way. So we know that it's not about a castle and a king, but the kingdom of God is this spiritual, uh, the spiritual kingdom that, that Jesus was bringing with him. It was the rule and the reign of God. And so when things are going God's way, stuff happens because when the spirit moves, lives are changed. And this is happening all over the place uh, around Jesus. People are being healed. People are being set free. The, the least are all of a sudden the greatest. The unlovable are, are finding love. That's what it's like to be around Jesus. That's what it's like when God reigns, when the kingdom of God reigns. So it's impossible, what Jesus is saying is, it's impossible to engage in the life of God now or for eternity unless you are born again. So what's this born from above thing all about, right? Like, we hear that a lot. I think this phrase has kind of been... Uh, abused. If somebody came up to you and said, hey brother, hey, be- hey sister, I've been born again. Yeah. Right? You kinda, it kind of puts you off a little bit. We've heard that phrase, you know, televangelists have used it and things like that, and people are falling over on TV and all this stuff. and Just this strange stuff. And so we've kind of associated this phrase being born again with kind of being weird religious people, right? I don't want to really be a weird religious person. I just want to follow Jesus, right? But we kind of associate that phrase with it. But just because the world has kind of taken that phrase and kind of throwing it out, that doesn't mean there's not truth to it. So we need to figure out what, what exactly is that all about. But think about it this way. Think, think about being born again uh, a little bit differently. More of like, take it from the top. Or let's start all over again. Right? Give you an illustration. Imagine this. So imagine Kim our worship leader, uh, would come up here right now and she'd bring a giant box and in that giant box had a whole bunch of instruments, right? All sorts of instruments and we handed them to you. And Kim said, okay, you're the worship band today, right? Right? And she gave out drums and saxophones and flutes and clarinets and big bass drums and French horns and a lot of cowbells, because we can always use more cowbell. And, and she's just handing out these instruments and all of a sudden she says, Go! What do you think would happen? It'd be a train wreck, wouldn't it? It'd be terrible, right? She's nice, so she'd probably let you go for a while, right? But then she'd say, okay, stop, 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 stop. Let's take it from the top. Let's go back to the start, right? Before everything got messed up, right? Let's go back to the beginning. Let's take it from the top. Let's start again. So for Jesus... What he's saying to Nicodemus here is it's impossible to engage in the kingdom, to engage in the life of God, unless you start over, unless you take it from the top, unless you go back to the basics, to the very beginning of what it means to be alive. If that illustration didn't work for you, think about it this way. Let's say that you wanted to, (laughs) not that you would ever do this or if it's possible, let's say you wanted to live at the bottom of the ocean. Right? Anybody ever had that thought, laying in bed at night? 
Yeah, okay, good. Not just me. All right, let's say you wanted to live at the bottom of the ocean. I'm not talking about a submarine. I'm not talking about having a giant snorkel or something. You physically want to live as a human being at the bottom of the ocean. It's not going to happen, is it? It's not going to work. You weren't created for that kingdom. You weren't created for that world. There's only one way that any of us could ever survive and live at the bottom of the ocean. We'd have to be born again as a fish. SpongeBob SquarePants? Is that what you... Oh, no. Yeah. Maybe you'd see SpongeBob down there. You have to be born again as a fish. You have to be born again as an entirely different creature because as you are right now, none of us have the capacity to live in that world. That's not what we were created for. You'd have to kind of start all over. You'd have to be almost born again. And so in the same way, Jesus is saying to Nicodemus and us, if you want to enter my kingdom, you need to become a brand new person spiritually, and you can't do that yourself. You can't become the kind of person you were created to be and live in the kind of world you were created to live by yourself. I have to do that in you. I'm the only one that can make you alive. The Old Testament puts it this way. You were dead in your sin, but now you are made alive with Christ. You have to understand, for Nicodemus, this is crazy. I mean, Jesus didn't talk about fish and bands and stuff like that. But he says, you have to be born again. So you have to understand, for Nicodemus, a religious leader, one of the top religious leaders in the entire country, When he hears Jesus say, you must be born again, this is crazy. He hears Jesus say, uh, basically, yeah, Nicodemus, you need to go back to the start. (laughs) Everything that you've learned, everything that you think makes you good enough and righteous, yeah, it's really nothing. You got to start all over again. You got to be born again. For Jesus to say that to Nicodemus would be like one of us going to Michael Jordan and say, "Uh, yeah, I think you need to go back to kindergarten and, and learn how to dribble a basketball, right? That's what essentially Jesus is saying to Nicodemus. And it's exactly what he means. He's saying, Nicodemus, I want to go back and completely rebuild your life so that your identity is found in me and the fact that you're my child. Nicodemus, I want to go back to the start. I want you to be reborn in the spirit and I want you to understand that your identity is based on the fact that you are a son of God rather than your own ability to be religious enough or good enough or to do all these good deeds that you think you're doing. I'm going to completely restart your life. I'm going to rebuild it. And he says the same thing to us. And watch how Nicodemus responds. Verse 4. In fact, let's read this together. This is how uh, Nicodemus responds to Jesus. How can someone be born when they are old? Surely they cannot enter a second time into their mother's womb to be born. Now, we give people around Jesus in scriptures kind of a bad time because it's like, duh, duh, Nicodemus, that's right. But if you were there and Jesus said, yeah, you need to be reborn. It was the first time you'd ever heard it. I think that's probably the question I would ask, don't you think? Right? You want me to be reborn? I, I kind of already did that thing once, right? I don't, I don't think my mom wants to go through that again either, right? I kind of already, I've already done that once. I, I'd probably ask that. But Jesus says, 
no, it's different. And he responds, very, I truly, I tell you, which means, amen. Amen. Yes, yes. So again, Jesus is saying, yes, you're right, Nicodemus. It's not about physical birth. And then Jesus goes on. No one can enter the kingdom of God unless they are born of water and spirit because flesh gives birth to flesh, but the spirit gives birth to spirit. Jesus says, you got to start all over, brother. And how does that happen? Jesus says it happens through water and the spirit. Now, we know that a big part of Jesus' ministry was using water, right? He said, I'm the living water and also baptism, where we use water, which is about going under the water when we're baptized and we're dying to our old self and we're becoming alive in Christ. It's like a resurrection. We're identifying with Jesus in his resurrection. We're going down under the water and we're coming back up. And so when Jesus says you need to be born of water and the spirit, it's almost like being born again. And I've had the incredible pleasure of being there with a lot of you and doing the dunking, which is always a privilege, right? And so you know what I'm talking about here. It really kind of feels like being born again. It feels like a rebirth, whether it's in uh, a pool or whether it was in the river or wherever it was, you remember that experience. But we, here's the thing about baptism. It's not a, the water's not magic, right? When we've baptized babies, we've baptized adults up here, is, is the Des Moines water have some magic Jesus potion in it? No. It's not about the water, right? It's the promise of God in the water. It's the spirit that was hovering over the waters, as it says in Genesis. It's about you coming with a heart of repentance and watching God take over and do what only he can do. Baptism is all about God's promise, not us being good enough. So, Coming into the kingdom of God means that we come in repentance. Jesus says, Nicodemus, I want you to be in the kingdom. I want you to start living in a God reality. But you got to turn from your old ways. you got to repent. you got to be born again. We receive new life in Christ. And finally, the last part of this, Jesus says, is that we are uh, born of the Spirit. We're filled up with the Spirit. The incredible promise that comes for you and I with life in Christ, is that we get filled up with the power of the Holy Spirit. And I don't know if you just saw what happens here, but what Jesus just did to Nicodemus in these last three verses is a beautiful blueprint for you telling your story of faith. Because here's what it is. This is who I was, repentance, right? This is who I was, and so I needed to repent. Jesus says you must repent. This is what God did, He gave me new life, I was reborn, and this is who I am now, filled with the Spirit. And Jesus is saying to Nicodemus, Nick, this can be your story too. You don't have to just go by gossip and hearsay and secondhand information about me anymore. It can be real for you. And I think Jesus would say the same thing to you this morning too. It can be real for you. You don't have to just show up here every single Sunday morning and watch other people encounter God. It's for you. That's the gospel. It's for you, Nicodemus, is what Jesus is saying. And Nicodemus, this, this, this spirit, it has nothing to do with you being good enough. Nicodemus, if you let me fill you up, Jesus says, I want to fill you up like you've never been filled up before. 
But you have to know it's, it's not about how religious you are, about how much you pray. It's not about you following all the rules. And the same is true for us. We don't get the Holy Spirit. We don't get filled up with it in our lives because we're good enough or we do all the right Christian things. Uh, we're filled up by the Holy Spirit because God comes and he nails us with it. <laughs> right? He nails us with it. It's almost like a wind that comes out of nowhere. Which in the next verse is exactly how Jesus explains the work of the Spirit in our lives. It's like the wind. You can't see it, but you can see the effects because when the Spirit moves, lives are changed. I can't reach out right now and say, give me some Holy Spirit. But you know what I can do? I can look out at all of you and say, life changed, life changed, life changed, life changed. You can't see the wind, but you can see the effects of the wind. Jesus says, I want to come and I want to fill you up with that same spirit that I wanted to fill up Nicodemus with. And opposed to what Nicodemus thought and what we often think, that if we do a lot of good deeds, then we get the kingdom. Jesus says, no, I want to give you the gift of my kingdom and the outflow of that, the natural pouring out of that is good works. Do you see the difference? You can't yell at an apple tree and say, produce fruit! It doesn't need coursing. It just does. Good trees produce good fruit. People filled up by the Spirit live by the Spirit. Jesus says, I want to fill you up. I want to fill you up so that the, my, my life and my joy is, is pouring out of you like a fountain, so much so that you just can't contain it. Now, it's no lie that I love Dr. Pepper. Um, I picked this up on my way here this morning for breakfast. I didn't know if anybody would get that. That's not true. I don't drink this for breakfast. I love Dr. Pepper. It was established in 1885. Not only is this Dr. Pepper with 21 amazing flavors that I can taste every one of them, my palate, it's cherry Dr. Pepper. This is like God's gift to me, personally, Okay. I love Dr. Pepper. And so I picked it up this morning, and, um, but I would like to have some, but I can't get the, the cap off. And so I brought it here to my sermon to, uh, to see if somebody would help me with that. Um, I, can't, I can't get it out. Now, those of you that are volunteering, you're going to ruin the illustration, so I'm not going to call on you. Uh, but I, I, I really need somebody to help me uh, get the lid off. Could you help me with that? No, you don't really want to. Okay, okay. Would you help me with that? No, no, you don't want to. Okay. Would you help? No, okay. Any takers? No? Oh, point the other way, like this? Okay, can you take that off for me? Anybody want to take it off for me? (laughs) No, you don't want to do it. (laughs) I've tried this at home, and you don't want to do it, right? Why don't, why don't, why does anybody want to do it? It's going to explode, right? Do I have to look at the Dr. Pepper 2 liter right now and go, explode? When we take that cap off, what is it going to do naturally? Yeah, exactly. That's a good sound effect. Wow, that's awesome. Exactly. And it'll probably sound something like that too. And I almost kind of feel like Jesus saying, okay, now you're getting it. Now you're starting to get it, Lutheran Church Hope. Now you're starting to get it, Nicodemus. When I put my spirit inside of you, I'm going to come and I'm going to shake up your life so that the joy and the life in you 
is overflowing. I don't have to coerce you to do it. It's the most natural thing about who you are. I want to I fill you up, Nicodemus. I want to fill you up with my love and my peace and my joy like you've never been filled up before so that my life just starts flowing out of you. That it's so good and, and, it, and it's so real. And, and maybe it's time for you. This is where the rubber meets the road. Maybe it's time for you for the very first time today to say, Jesus, I need you to fill me up. Because I've been empty my entire life. Like, I don't doubt it. Maybe there's somebody that one of us just needs to, to say, Jesus, I need you to fill me up for the very first time. I've been born, I, I've been alive for many years, but I, I've never really been alive. Never really had that joy <laughs> bursting out of me. I want, I want to know that life. And maybe today is the day that you, hear, that you hear the God of the universe say to you, just like he said to Nicodemus, yes. Yes, my son. Yes, my daughter. I know exactly what you're feeling today. I know exactly whatever you brought in here with you today. I know exactly the questions that you have. I know exactly the longings that you have in your heart and you're empty. And I want to come fill you up. Because when the spirit moves, lives are changed. Or maybe today, for you, you're saying, yeah, I'm John, I'm that two leader, but I'm about right here. I've been, I've been a Christian for a really long time, but I need a refill. <laughs> Bad. I really need a refill. I've been, I've been running on, on dry. I, I, I remember that, that excitement and that joy that I once had about my faith, but, but life got in the way. It used to be overflowing in me and when, the, when the spirit was more real, but now it's like quarter full. And even if you shook me all up, I don't really have anything to give. I'm all fizzed out. It wouldn't overflow at all. You know what? That's the heart of Lent. This is Lent. <laughs> Jesus comes and says, I want to shake up your life. I want to show you how, how to see the world, how to see the kingdom in a brand new way. I don't want you, Jesus says, I don't want you to give up something for Lent just because it's a good thing to do. Because it's, it's, it's the right Christian thing to do. I should eat less chocolate. I should eat less junk food. I should give up Facebook or, heaven forbid, Angry Birds. Oh, it'd be a disaster, Right? Jesus says, I don't want you to just give up those things because they're a good thing to do. I want you to give them up so that you can create space in your life so that I can come and fill you up with things that are actually going to satisfy you. Which is exactly what he says to Nicodemus. I want to I fill you up. I want to give you back your life. So ask him for it. How do we get it? We ask him for it and he comes and he nails us with it. And the wind blows where it wants and lives our change. And Jesus says, I've given you that spirit for a reason. Not to keep it to yourself. We don't know exactly how the story ends up with Nicodemus, but we do know that Nicodemus defends Jesus at his trial, and Nicodemus comes to Jesus' tomb and, and, and anoints him and, and, and brings different perfumes and spices to keep his body smelling decent. Something shifted in Nicodemus's Heart. You might say he took it from the top. You might say he was reborn. 
And Jesus says, Nicodemus, and he says, Lutheran Church of Hope, I didn't, I didn't fill you up like that. I didn't give you that spirit so you can keep it to yourself, so you can just keep your faith to yourself. We have been saved for a reason. You have not been saved so you could sit there in your chair every single week and say, thank God that I'm forgiven. Amen. That's certainly a part of it. You've been saved for a reason. There's so much more. Turn with me to Acts chapter 1, verse 8. And this is where we apply it. Acts chapter 1, verse 8. After his ministry, so Acts is right after uh, the Gospels. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts. So the very next book. Acts chapter 1, verse 8. After his ministry on earth, his death and resurrection, Jesus says to his disciples, Okay, guys, remember the Spirit? (laughs) Remember the Spirit that I talked to Nicodemus about? Remember the Spirit that I promised you? Here's what you need to do with it. Let's read this together on the screens. Acts chapter 1, verse 8. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. There's a power that comes with the Spirit, Jesus says, and it's the same power that raised me from the grave, and now I'm putting it in you. Did you hear that? The same power that raised Jesus from the grave lives in you, and I want to use it to change lives through you. In other words, I've got a mission for you. So you've got to do something with it. I've got a mission for you, Jesus says. And if you notice, where does that mission start? What's the first thing? Where does it start? What city does it start in? It starts with a J, I'll give you a hint. <laughs> Jerusalem, right? which happens to be the place they already are. It starts at home. And so there's this, go ahead and go to the next slide. There's this first ring of influence. We think about an Acts 1 vision. There's this first ring of influence where Jesus says, I want you to go be the church. And it all starts at home with the the people and the places and the city where you already are, even if it literally means right here at Hubble Elementary School. (laughs) which is the whole purpose of this mentoring program that you're hearing us talk about. And there's uh, a meeting uh, with, with Principal Jack right after this if you're interested in getting involved with that. It starts at home. You will be my witnesses at Hubble Elementary School in Des Moines and in Iowa and the United States and to the ends of the earth, right? But it starts where we already are. Don't overlook the place where you already are. But you'll also remember the vision got a little bit bigger than that. Last fall, we embarked on a giving campaign where God just blew our socks off with how faithful he is. And you, you raised uh, enough money to make a huge dent in the build-out of a future facility for this church. And I'm excited to give you an update on that vision. We've had scouts out all around, and they're looking all over, and we're slowly narrowing down the list of potential facilities. So we're getting closer and closer and closer, and you're going to be hearing much more about that in the next coming weeks. A lot's happening behind the scenes, but as we talked about a lot in the fall, we don't believe this future facility is just for a building, right? It's a tool so that we can do Mission so that we can live out Acts chapter 1, verse 8. And so that's where it starts. You will be my witnesses in Jerusalem. And so it's important that we have that center of mission here in Des Moines so that we can reach out and share Christ's love. But as we've been praying as leaders over the past few months, it's become apparent, well, the vision is much bigger than that. (laughs) 
It's much bigger than we could have imagined because there's other rings, right? Jerusalem, Judea, right? Kind of the next ring out, and it turns out the Spirit's been moving. It's been blowing like the wind, and we can't control it. I can't say, Holy Spirit, slow down, right? (laughs) We can't say, God, stop changing lives. The wind's going to blow where it wants. The Spirit's going to move where it wants. So right around the time that we were uh, raising money for our own facility, I meet uh, a pastor who uh, is from the African country of Liberia. And he's only been in Des Moines for a few months at the time that I met him last year with his wife, and they have come to Des Moines with nothing. Five kids and nothing. They live in an apartment that is corner of the gym right there. And they have nothing. And they say, and we feel like God's called us to start a church. Yeah, right. Who said that was impossible? Who said that was impossible? So we started uh, praying together, and he said, I, as I just looked into his eyes, he said, I really feel called to reach the hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of Liberian refugees that live here in Des Moines. And so here's the thing. Not only is this, this pastor madly in love with Jesus, he's a Lutheran. Come on, people. It can't get any better than that, Right? <laughs> So he's a Liberian Lutheran that loves Jesus, right? Amen, right? Yes, yes, amen, right? So, and, and I was like, are you kidding me? Sign me up for this. So over the past few months, I've been meeting with Pastor Frederick Delaney and, and some of his leaders at, at this church that meets over on the east side of Des Moines. We've been developing this friendship, and, and we've helped them get incorporated as a church and, and raise up some local leaders and, and, uh, and, and find a local facility over there uh, on the east side, which some of you have been over uh, to see. So each Sunday, right around this time, actually right now, he's probably preaching too, to his congregation, about 30 or 40 people that's gathering over there on the east side. And there's many, many more that they can reach. And here's the coolest part. Right now, they're sitting on chairs that you donated. Right now, they're reading Bibles that you donated. Right now, they're worshiping God with instruments that you donated. Because when the Spirit moves, lives are changed. But there's a lot of work to be done, and so a big part of our Lenten mission project. We do it every year, and this year, a big part of what God's put us put on our hearts is to go in and continue to renovate this facility. Go ahead and go to the next uh, slide there, Wendy. So that's what it looks like, and they just have this little stage, but there's some other rooms, and there's some major repair work uh, that needs to be done. So it's called His People New Life uh, Church. And so if we should be about anything as the Church of Des Moines, we should be about building the Church of Des Moines, right? It's never been about Lutheran Church of Hope, right? So we're about building the church, and so um, their facility is about a, uh, a fourth of the size of this gym, <laughs> their entire church. And they've got kids everywhere, and it's awesome, and you can feel the spirit moving, and I can't wait to have some of you come down there. So two different Saturdays in March, we're going to go down there, and we're going to have a work day, and we're going to go celebrate with them, and we might even worship with them, and you think we get a little crazy in worship here. Giddy up, okay? So I'm really excited about that. And in that insert in your bulletin, there's lots more information. And so we're starting to realize, okay, okay, hang with me. Maybe Hope Des Moines is not just to, to called to plant our own church, but actually to be a church planting church, right? To be as witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and to what? The ends of the earth. Are you kidding me? Are, are you serious? Well, it just so happens 
that over the last few years, Lutheran Church of Hope at all of our campuses has planted and has built 141 wells in Ghana, Africa. Amen. Praise God for that. Absolutely. So you've got to understand the, 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 the next ring out. So go ahead and go to the next slide. There's this next ring out in Ghana, Africa. So the, the, the Acts 1 vision for us is much b- bigger than just this facility that we're going to build. It starts there, but then it goes to the next ring, to, to New Life Church, the Liberian Church, and it goes to the next ring as we now are embarking on the 2012 Lenten Project as Lutheran Church Hope is to plant 40 churches in 40 days in these villages where we've planted wells. Remember, one chapter later in John chapter 4, and I'll end here, Jesus says, I'm the living water. If you, if you drink ordinary water, you're going to be thirsty again. Now, we need to provide life-giving water for Ghana. But Jesus says, when you bring my church, when the Spirit of God moves, lives are changed. And so I just want you to take a look at this short video that's going to kind of send us out with this vision of what God is doing in Ghana and how you can be involved. Let's take a look. Lutheran Church of Hope is helping people across the globe by meeting their basic life needs. Hope provided 71 clean water wells to Ghana, Africa in 2008 and 71 additional wells in 2011. Back in 2007 when I first went and saw some of the water that uh, the people were drinking, their health was bad, they were basically drinking water out of mud holes. Pastor Sam is the missionary in Ghana who coordinated the building of the wells. The, the benefit of this well to the community is enormous. And so for us to bring this water, uh, we are going to actually overcome these waterborne diseases. When the building of the wells had finished, the energy in the community was greater than it had ever been before. The fresh water gave hope to the people for a better future. In meeting their health needs, we can now help by providing spiritual support. We're taking 40 of these communities that had water, and uh, now we're going to be planting churches in those communities. Funds raised at Hope will go to support the building of churches in the villages of Ghana. By having a church structure, it gives these people an opportunity to come together, to be in community, uh, and to dedicate their lives to Christ. Pastors have been trained and are ready to continue building the local congregations. Hope has already built one church site and has seen the effects. As we dedicated this church, there were almost 50 people that uh, came forth and said that they wanted to have Christ in their life. The first church service had become a full-blown revival. The people were full of joy. There were drums playing and people celebrating. It was phenomenal. One can only imagine the effects of 40 new church sites on the people and their country. We can help create this change for Christ. So we set our hearts to give as God has called us, because each person in Ghana matters. The, the gratitude from these individuals is unbelievable. As, as, as we talk to them, you'll see tears actually come down their, down their faces as we're talking to them and, and that there are no strings attached to this. Even with the wells and now with the church, it's no strings attached. It's a gift from God. 
and to see them really begin to understand that and to see that somebody that some 8,000 miles away has donated something for their livelihood and because we love and care for them is incredible. Doors are being opened for the gospel to go and we want to say thank you very much Hope for what you have done for us. Amen. Give God some praise for that. Absolutely. Can you see the vision starting to take? Can you see the rings? Can you see it? It's, it's happening. Folks, we're not just reading Acts 1-8. We're living Acts 1-8. Because when the Spirit moves, lives are changed. A spirit that was first offered to Nicodemus in the dark of the night as now is offered to us, not to keep to ourselves, but to be filled up to overflow so we can take it to the world around us. And so our prayer is simply this. As we go into this season of Lent, this is our prayer. That you would ask God two things. Number one, God, fill me up with your spirit like you've never filled me up before. Because without that, we don't have anything to give. Nothing truly life-giving. Number one, God, fill me up like you've never filled me up before. And number two, God, what do you want to do through me to accomplish your will for the kingdom of God? And every ring matters. Hubble Elementary School matters. 42nd Street in Des Moines matters. The other side of town matters. Liberia matters. Ghana matters. Because they're God's children. God, what do you want to accomplish through me? Not, out of, not, not what can I can give through, through guilt or, or pressure, but because it's who I am. And it's bubbling up inside of me, and I can't contain it. Let's stand.